0: morning morning. um to be very honest with you i'm quite sleepy (laughs) i'm in japan time still and it's sometime tomorrow over there Uh, so that might make for an interesting sermon Uh, but please pray with me before i open the word father the fact that you are pleased to use a man like me to open your word is a testament to your power and your grace. I pray that as we look to your word, you would be moving in us by your spirit, building up your church, and drawing the lost to yourself. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 5 this morning. Verses 1 through 14-ish. Fourteen, I think the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. That's chapter one. I'm tired. <laughs> then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on a throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, uh, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, In chapter 4 of Revelation, John the Apostle was caught up into the presence of God in heaven, into his very throne room. And there he saw God on his throne and the whole court of heaven, all of these angels, all these creatures. This morning we're looking at chapter 5 and the scene is still in the throne room of heaven, but the theme changes from the worship of the Creator to the worship of the Redeemer. It's both our duty and our privilege to worship the Creator because all that we have, our life, our talents, our ability, everything, comes from His creative power. When you drive out of this neighborhood this morning, look at that mountain and praise God. But the greater theme in Scripture is redemptive love. And we ought daily to reflect on that. In chapter 5, John's gaze turns to the throne of God and he sees a strange sight, which he describes in these opening verses. He says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look at it. Now, this passage produces many questions. What is this scroll? Why can't anyone open it? Who is worthy? If you read on through chapter 6, You'll see that the opening of these seals and the unrolling of this scroll reveals certain momentous events which begin to occur upon the earth. But not until that day that the first seal is broken will anyone know really what the scroll signifies. As it unrolls, we're, we're carried from verse chapter 6, 7, 8, 9 all the way through chapter 10. And the scroll is completely unrolled and it ends with the sounding of seven trumpets which are revealed when the seventh seal is broken. And in chapter 10, verse 7, a clue is given to us as to what this scroll is, to what it signifies. John is told this, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants and the prophets. So this verse gives us the name of this scroll with seven seals. Its title is The Mystery of God. It answers questions that men have been asking for generations, which no one has been able to answer. Why can't we solve our deepest problems? Why can't we solve the things that have plagued mankind? We hear a lot these days of the the progress that we've made, uh, our technological advances, advances, the wonders of science, and we say, we've got to be so close. We're almost there. But when we look back on history, we find that the truly great problems, the ones we wrestle with today are the same ones they wrestled with Throughout history, war, and crime, and hatred, and disease, and loss, and death, and separation. These are the problems every man has dealt with, and no one has found an answer for. How will God solve these problems, which are ultimately rooted in our own sin, That's what the book of Revelation is about. God solving problem, all our problems. God reversing the curse of sin and rebuilding the world as it was meant to be. Now John hears an invitation to all the universe proclaimed by a mighty angel that if anyone can open the scroll, let him come forward. Who is worthy? To open the scroll, the angel Christ. I think this is the question that is the basis for all our politics. (laughs) In every election year, what we're really asking is who's worthy? Who can fix this world? Who can solve our problems? Who has the solutions? Who's smart enough? Who's good enough? Who's worthy? But the truth is, truth that has been proven throughout history, the best men among us cannot solve these problems. We revere the name of George Washington and the wisdom of our founders, but they haven't brought about world peace. Throughout history, men have tried and failed and been proven unworthy. Of course, John Webb, there is. No one worthy to open the scroll. No one in all history could unseal or look at the scroll. No one is worthy. But then John learns that the problems of sin and death are already solved by a lion who is a lamb. Verse 5 says, One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Root of David are both titles which refer to prophecies from the Old Testament that predict there would be one from the tribe of Judah and the family of David who would at last rule over the earth in peace and righteousness. His titles refer to the king of the Jews. The very title which Pilate had nailed above Jesus' head on a cross. The king of the Jews. He is the one who triumphs by his death And is able to bring about God's kingdom on earth. But when John turns to see the conquering lion of Judah. What he sees is a slain lamb. The redeemer of the world. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. John was expecting to see a lion. What he saw was a lamb with the marks of death still upon him. And those marks of death are still upon the lamb and they will be for all eternity. In these two symbols, the lion of Judah and the lamb that was slain, John sees the uniting of the two great themes of Scripture. The lion, a symbol of majesty and power and authority. Lions conquer, lambs submit, lions roar, lambs die. The lion has defeated our greatest enemies of sin and death. And he rules on his throne today. The the paradox is that he conquered by submitting. He has given us life by meekly going to his own death as the great and final sacrifice. He is the ruling lion. And the slain lamb. As the lion of Judah, our Lord reigns. I don't know why it said as. The lion of Judah, our Lord reigns. He is mighty. He rules in power. But if you are weak, if you are faltering, if you are helpless and hopeless, you'll find a compassionate Savior because our lion is a lamb. As the lamb of God, he is filled with mercy and grace. Simply trust him. Trust that your sin is not too great for his cross and that his righteousness is all you need and he will usher you into his kingdom. He will give you life and peace and rest. You will be with him. He is the one worthy to take the scroll and remove the seals. So John sees him here with this seven sealed scroll in his hands. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God so they shall reign on earth. One of the clearest pictures we have of God's judgment on man's pride is the story of the Tower of Babel. These men thought they were equal to God and they wanted to prove it by building this great tower. And so God, in judgment, separated the languages. He humiliated them. On that day, lifelong friends were no longer able to talk to each other. Families were split apart. It was a terrible, awful day, a day of separation. It was an awful judgment. People had to leave everything and move to new places because they couldn't talk to anybody. I've been in language school for the last two years and spent a lot of time cursing these fools. Because Japanese is hard. (laughs) But look at what God's going to do in his kingdom. Every language will be spoken before the throne of God. In his kingdom, God will redeem even his judgment on man's pride. This terrible judgment, this awful thing is going to be used for God's glory. when I get discouraged about the slow pace of ministry in Japan, this verse gives me great joy because I know when I read this that God has promised on that day when we stand before the throne of Jesus, we will be standing next to a sea of Japanese brothers and sisters praising Jesus in Japanese This is the worship of heaven. The slain lamb is the center of everything. Not only will all the creatures of the universe praise God and join in worship before him for his redemptive love, but... Creation itself, the rocks, the trees, the mountains, the hills, the sea, everything on earth will praise our God. Many of the Psalms reflect this beautifully. Every element of creation finally fulfilling the purpose for which it was created, the glory of God. And John hears something beautiful. A new song. This is the song of redemption. It had not been sung before. The 24 elders, the four living creatures around the throne singing this song, had never sung it before. It is new. They never had cause to sing it because they had never been redeemed They had to learn of redemption by watching God's grace applied to us sinners. Willful, rebellious, defiant men and women like us who want our own way and whom nevertheless God calls and forgives and restores and saves. This is the song that the angels have learned from the saints. There's a great old hymn. The chorus says, "Holy, holy, holy is what the angels sing, and I expect to make them help, uh, help, I expect to help them make the courts of heaven ring. But when we sing Redemption's story, they must fold their wings, for angels never felt the joy that our salvation brings. This is the reason for the worship of heaven. God's redeeming love applied to us, saving us. It is the death of Jesus, not his teaching, not his life of compassion, not his miracles, not his wonders, but the shedding of his blood for sinners from every tribe and language and people and nation. I never take the cup of communion without thinking of the words of Peter we are not ransomed by with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot i don't know of any thought in all literature that is able to melt a man's heart more than the thought that we deserve death, and are given life at the cost of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what calls forth that new song of redemption. The old song is the song of God's creative glory. But the new song is the song of the redeemed. And John hears the glorious chorus. And I looked be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. When that seal, that scroll is fully open, heaven and earth will join in praise of our Lord. This is the goal of all history. Every historic event for centuries is related to it and moves towards it. The ultimate redemption of God's people and God's earth. It is why Jesus died. It is why we evangelize. It is why we are here. I know I'm supposed to do like a mission-y sermon, but I got caught up and it's going to be focusing on the every tribe tongue, but Jesus is the center. So um, that was my sermon for this morning and I hope the Lord used it. But um, now I'd like to take a few minutes to just talk to you about how he's using us in Japan, what's happening there um, and how really he's using all of you um, as our partners in Japan um let me just back up a little bit I I had a PowerPoint already with like photos and it was sharp looking and my computer died last night um so like at like eleven thirty, we emailed by phone some Facebook pictures to Ryan I'm like can you put these on a slideshow real fast so I'm kind of going off the cuff here um let me just give you a real brief overview of Japan and why we're there. Japan is uh, one of the least reached countries on earth. Less than 1% Christian population. Probably less than half of 1%. So 0.5. Um, they've had Christianity or some form of Christianity in Japan since the 16. 16- 20s, I think, when Francis Xavier first went to Japan, a Jesuit priest. But since that time, no church has ever really taken root in Japan. There are 1,700 cities in Japan with zero churches. Not even one Christian. My son is one of two Christians in his elementary school the other girl goes to our church. None of his friends in the neighborhood are Christians. None of my neighbors are Christians. I told a funny story once about my, my barber and somebody wrote back, said, well I'll be praying you can find a Christian barber. Well, there's no such thing. <laughs> Japan is in desperate, dire need of the gospel. There aren't many people going there. The churches that are there are in bad shape, I'm very sad to say. Most of them are dying. Many of them are pastorless. Um, The average age of a church in Japan is uh, 60 plus. Um, There was kind of a little revival after World War II, uh, but they really failed to replicate themselves. Japanese leadership wasn't trained for the church, and so, when missionaries retired, churches were just left without a pastor. And those churches are slowly dying. Um, and so, there's a huge problem in Japan. No one's going there, no one is bringing the gospel message. And so, that's why we're there. It is a hard place to be. Um, one of the huge needs of the church is leadership trained leadership men who know scripture who love scripture and want to shepherd the church and so one of the things we're doing is uh, the church we're working with has started a seminary it's called Christ Bible Institute in the city of Nagoya Nagoya is the third largest city in Japan about 7 million people which is like four seattles or something i don't know it's big um It's a great seminary. We have great leadership from the states helping us out. John Piper's very involved. D.A. Carson's very involved. Uh, Matt Chandler's very involved in the building up of this seminary, trying to get this thing going. And we have about, what, 15 students in it right now? Um, We're praying that it blows up. But we are in this church uh, in a town called Nishin. We need you to pray for Nishin. Nishin has six colleges. And my main focus right now, aside from language school, I spend Monday through Friday, most of the day, in language school. And a lot of the day after that, studying. Um, But after that, I'm involved in college outreach. So we have all these colleges really close. We can walk to them. And the hope is we can reach these colleges, these students bring them into the church and identify potential church leaders and send them over to the seminary to get trained and come back and feed the churches that are reaching the colleges. And the view, the long-term uh, vision, that's the word, of our team is to see a church planted by every college campus in our prefecture. Let me explain to you a little bit about why college. Um, the Japanese life is not like the American life, typically. Uh, you spend basically from fourth grade through high school studying and studying and studying really hard. And after school, you go to cram school in order to get into a good college. If you get into a good college, you get a good job. That's how it is. It doesn't matter how you do in college. College students are the most like free people I've ever seen. They're like, oh, I don't need to go to class. It doesn't, if, all you have to do is get into that college and graduate, and you get a good job, right? So students are really busy up through high school. After college, once they get that good job, they're completely dedicated to their job. The church in Japan is more than three-quarters women, because guys work Monday through Saturday, and Sunday's their only day off, and they just don 't come they don 't want to come. Um, they work six a m to two in the morning sometimes work, included in work is going out to the bar with your coworkers to show that you 're part of the team every night. You have to do that, and so they 're called salary men in Japan guys guys' career guys have crazy lives. But we have this window between high school when they're trying hard to get into college, before work when we just never see them again, where they're totally free and they're more open than anyone else in Japan to talking about the gospel, to opening up the Bible, to to just coming into a church. So we have this window, this four years, where we're trying to get in these students' lives, pour into them, And, and Lord willing, save many of them. And if they get into the habits of of church life during this time, the prayer is that when they do get into that career, they'll maintain those habits. Um, So it's a great opportunity, college. Uh, What we're doing specifically is spending a lot of our lunch times on campus just hanging out uh, in the CAF and meeting students. Um, and then every Wednesday night we invite them to the church to this thing called Hospitality Night. Hospitality Night is just we make a big dinner and eat and hang out. This is just to build trust with these guys. Just so we're, we're the only Christians they've ever met. Just so they know Christians and we're not weird cult people. We're, there are signs on a lot of the colleges we go to that said, beware, religious cults are trying to infiltrate. And <clears throat> If they invite you to church, don't go. But they have, they've only kicked us off of one campus so far. But um, just to show them, we're normal people. We care about you. We're, we want to be friends with you, right? And so uh, we've been doing that for three years, and we've made some really great friends, really great friends, and built a lot of trust. And just this summer, we started a Bible study we call One Village Talks. Um, the... The kind of broad theme of that is, look, I'm from America, you're from Japan. But uh, we deal with the same issues. We have the same struggles. I think the scripture offers answers for those. And so every week we look at one thing people deal with. Pride or fear of man or fear of failure. And we talk about scripture's answers for that. Um, We're hoping to start soon something called One Family Talks. For the students who are getting saved, that's more of a discipleship track. Uh, and so far, I think two, maybe three students have been saved, praise God, um, through this ministry. Uh, every Wednesday night for the hospitality night, we have about 50 students coming onto church, which is really unheard of. Um, just to walk into a church is like the most foreign thing on earth to a Like, why would they? Why would you walk into a Buddhist temple? It's you wouldn't. Uh, there's a saying. So when you walk into a Japanese building, there's a, a little entrance where you take off your shoes and then there's a step up into the building. And there's a saying in Japanese, the step into a church is too tall to take. It's hard for people just to come into the church. And now we have 50 students coming into the church every week, coming to us when they have problems, asking for our help, for our advice. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Sundays for our One Village Talk we have I think yesterday which was Sunday in Japan there were 10 students there which is huge we've been doing it for like 3 or 4 students yesterday when I'm gone of course there's 10 (laughs) so God's doing exciting things here and we're really happy to be part of this and the plan is after my language school we're looking at the next city over to start a church, I'll be the church planter there. Um, this city, the next city over to us, was just voted in the top ten cities to move to in Japan. We know the city planner there. He said there's forty thousand houses being built, and a lot of them are sold already. Uh, there's an IKEA being built. There's like three IKEAs in Japan. They're building one there. Huge. A lot going on there. A lot of young families moving there. And there's a college right there. So it, it looks like the perfect spot. We're praying for a piece of land. We're praying uh, just to get get things rolling. We're looking for a house over there. Um, and so the plan is to replicate the same college ministry we have in our city now over here as we do the church plant there. Pray for that. Um... That's really what I do. I hang out with college students and try to learn Japanese. Um, oh, we can show pictures. Oh, hey, here we go. <laughs> this is our 4th of July party we just had on the 4th of July. Um, we just had 15 students from the University of Missouri spend two months with us hanging out on campuses. And they met so many students. It was crazy. It was awesome. They brought them all into the church. We had like, what, like 75 people at this 4th of July party. They like American stuff, so we, you know. Um, they, they left on the same day that we left to come here. I had to get them to the airport at 5 in the morning. And it was a long day. Um, but we're really grateful for the work they did. They they've introduced us to so many new students. We can go to the next picture. They love, the college students love my son Mitsuki. This is my son Mitsuki. He comes to every hospitality night. Um, he, it, they don't see kids often, so they, they get a kick out of Mitsuki. And he loves it too. Go to the next one. We went camping with all our students in yurts. They called it Mongolu camping, which means Mongol camping. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we just spend our time getting to know these kids building trust with them we had an incredible talk about grace on Sunday morning at this camping trip and, and pray for these students so many of them are so close um, now so that's what I do Chie, uh my wife is also really involved in ministry I'm going to have her come up here and just kind of explain a little bit about what she does Hello.
1: Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. It's so nice to be here. And st- she's
0: not preaching.
1: <laughs> Good to see everybody. Um, last time Tim was here last year, a year ago, and I wasn't here yet. My son had a school, so I missed that opportunity to see you guys last year. But. Um, Uh, What I was going to talk, while he's in school, I don't just lay around at our house, and um, since, well, back it up, I came to America for school in college, and so, and I think that's when I got saved, that's when I really understood the gospel and the grace, and so, and then when I got saved, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay in America, serve the Lord, and never go back to Japan. Because being being a Christian in Japan is really difficult. And I um, experienced that because I grew up in Christian home. And I did not want to do that. So um, I wanted to stay. But God changed my heart and let me understand that he designed me as a Japanese. And I grew up in Japan, no know culture, no know language already. And so he... Um, really changed my heart and have a passion to go back to Japan. So, so over the years, you know, I had that vision. I had, I really wanted to go back. I married Tim who already wanted to be a missionary in Japan. A couple of times I said no, but we, <laughs> we got married. And then that was really a sovereign grace, um, that we have a same drive and mission, um, and passion for the Japanese. And so, um, while he's in school, I don't have to be. And then now I realize that more and more how God prepared me um, to serve in Japan. And I, I was able to come to America and lear, um, learn about the Bible and the counseling based on the Bible and all that. Um, I'm really thankful for that. So, um, so that's... Uh, while he's in school, I do a lot of um, help for um, programs for mom and kids. There are babies and moms. Um, and there are a lot of young families in our community, so we open up our church for English program for a lot of different ages. There are baby class and to elementary school kids class to, like, we have college. So we ha- I'm involved in little kids program, it's called Mom and Kids, and then there are a lot of, um, that's Mom and Kids, um, maybe 20 Mom and Kids come together, and then they, um, they do, we do English a little bit and the Bible a little bit, but real purpose is that they will come into the church and meet us, and just to build the trust, because there are some uh, ladies from that started coming to Bible study, or um, we start counseling. And all that coming from this relationship. So we really value that time of getting to know some people in the community. And so I help out that. And then we also have a Bible study. Next slide is our Bible study. This is a women's Bible study. Um, in the middle is the pastor of our church's wife. Um, and one, one, two, three, four, five, five four, five. Five of there, including me and including her, are Christians, but rest are not believers. But they, they keep coming to Bible study, learning about how we cope things and sufferings and trials in our lives through the scripture and the, through the power of the gospel. And so there are some ladies are really close. There may be family pressure or just the situation. They want to believe, but they can't make that step. And so pray for those ladies. And there's some that's coming for more than five years to this Bible study, and they're not saved. But they really want to. And so they're ready. So I just, I'm just praying that God will stir their hearts and make a decision to, to become Christians. And one of the ladies there, I'm not going to say who, but one of the ladies that I'm counseling, she's uh, deeply depressed. And, uh, and i'm meeting her every other week and she really wants to understand the grace of god but she can't she always feel like she's not good enough to family or people she always feel that peer pressure and i just really pray that god would, you know set her free from that pressure to really say you know you are loved and god accept you just as you are and just turn you know, turn back from your pride of depression to to cling to God's love, and so um, it's really amazing. There's Emmy, there, um, our adopted daughter. Um, adoption is really rare in Japan, so in the counseling, I talk about Emmy a lot. Talk about how she became our daughter um, without us. Going to through the list of oh our the qualification to be my daughter is this and this and this now we just prayed and God gave her to us and once she is our child, no matter what she does, no matter how far she goes from us, she's our daughter. that cannot be changed and then that has been a really powerful message to her because that's how it is. God claim you as a daughter or son. That's it. You cannot mess up. God's arm is stronger and then longer than what where we can go. So so that's being really cool. Adoption is really foreign idea in Japan. And so praise God for that opportunity. God is using even that little girl for his 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 glory. So, we are accepting we are really excited next one so that's that's the hospitality night tim was talking about but emmy everybody loves her she is just so such a delight in in that group she gets held by everybody and her personality really helps to you and so we really enjoy that time with the students okay next one so I help out the ministry, it's called Life Hope Network, where um, we have two different kind of ministry. There is one that's um, where I'm deeply involved, that's a counseling for post abortive girls who are suffering from guilt and shame. So they contact us by email because they are all over Japan. It's not geographically close. So I do counseling by email, talking about, yes, you did Something not right. And we talk about that. That's not right. That's not okay. We count a little life as a life and and It, it was wrong and I, it's good that you feel Shamed and get feeling guilty But there is a hope for that there's somebody can forgive you and somebody can give you life and hope and so so that's my ministry. I do counseling with the ladies. It's really difficult. Sometimes some situations I hear and um, there, are, there are ladies who have had several abortions. And that's hard to hear for me. Um, but God, by God's grace, it's being really great. Last week when we, I was talking with that uh, leader of that ministry, she said seven clients called in a week. About post-abortion uh, counseling, so there are a lot of, um, well, society-wise, family-wise, there are a lot of pressure to get abortion if you don't have a family yet or you're in college, or that's that's almost the only solution. So um, praise God that they are contacting us and hearing about the gospel because what they have done, and and otherwise they wouldn't have hear the gospel. So we. We really praise God for that. Even sins and the mistakes, God can use that to bring the glory and the gospel to those people. Um, that picture, and then there is another side of ministry: is that there are people who are pregnant, thinking about abortion, or thinking we don't. I don't know what to do with it. Um, they contact us by phone and say, "What? What should I do?" And so we call, we come down, and then we talk to them and we We really try them to keep the baby. We will help you any way we can to keep the baby so um the the lady that who who does ministry um she has a house that's kind of share house so pregnant ladies that kind of have a pressure from family, pressure from community they will come stay with her during the whole pregnancy so that they won't bring the shame to family or community, and they can still keep the baby. And we we are gonna help them make decision of either being a single mother or put put up for adoption. And some ladies decide to um, um, raise their kids, and that's that's great. Um, but there's some situations that they they can't. And you know, adoption was not in their head in their mind ever. <laughs> they're either abortion or raising a, raising a child of their own, and that's really a hard life. That's it. Um, so, so we give another option, like babies can go homes. And so that's a good opportunity to share, too. When they are living at the share house, they have to attend the Bible study and um, Sunday service so they would hear the gospel, whether they are saved or not when they leave, but they would hear the gospel. So... There's our little baby girl, Emmy. Um, hi, Emmy. And so next one. Oh, yeah. Those are just the girls that who, who gave a birth to, um, children, um, while they were staying. So there's a little clipboard that a lot of babies pictures on that at, at her share house. But thinking about each child, their lives was saved because, because of this ministry. They might not be there. If the ministry wasn't there, and um, in fact she she was born through the ministry, her mother was thinking about abortion, and so and so last minute God God really um, kept her. So I I want to share one verse that I really love, and um, I um, I always will think about her with this verse, but that's Psalm 71, 5 through, nine, five through 8. Um, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon, upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a potent to many. In Japanese, it's a miracle here a miracle to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. And so she is a miracle. By God's grace and through that ministry, her life was kept and then preserved and kept. And now she has a chance to hear the gospel and to grow up in a Christian home, even... Um, imperfect parents God can use us to bring her to himself so we praise God for not just being adopted once but twice hopefully we are hoping that she will be adopted by God someday and so we are thankful for that Um, that's what I I do and that's what we do
0: Is this back? So, uh, that's our ministry. We need your prayers. Japan's not easy. Chia needs your prayers. Her work can be discouraging. Sorry. (laughs) Her work can be discouraging. She deals with a lot of sad people and sad stories. Those students need your prayers. Pray for our city, Nishin. In the city we're moving to, Nagokte. God uses your prayers to bring those people to himself. Please remember us. Whenever you see a Toyota, pray for us. (laughs) (laughs) Please remember us in your prayers. We're so grateful for your prayers and for your financial partnership. You guys make this ministry possible. You really are partners with us. So, thank you.